sunny. Notice the grasses count everyone. Measure the rainbow sail on the sea. God made this whole world beautiful for me. How many elders do we have? Boobal? Four. Four. Who are they? Boobal has four elders. They're good men, as you'll see. They're Jim Estes, Larry Morgan, and Buster Green. Don't forget Tommy Maradona, too. These are our four elders and good shepherds, too. Let's sing it quickly. Boogle has four elders, they're good men, as you'll see. There's Jim Estes, Larry Morgan, and Buster Green. Don't forget Tommy Maradona, too. These are our four elders and good shepherds, too. That's great. All right. What's the key verse of authority in the Bible? Colossians 3, 17. Let's say Colossians 3, 17. Okay. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Now our theme here at Bogle for the year is I am one from Philippians 4.13. We're going to sing a song so you can memorize Philippians 4.13. I think I just forgot the tune. My wife made it up. I got it ready. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Let's sing it again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. One more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. That's great. All right. Now, we went over the plan of salvation I gave you last. Uh, we started last week. This is sheep. It's got the verses, and you can take this home, and your parents can go over this with you. And there's songs that we can sing about each of these verses. All right? If I say here, you say? Let's practice again. All right. Here. Believe. Repent. You can look at your paper if you want to. Confess. Be baptized. You know what I did? I made a big boo-boo. I left the last one off. I don't know why I did that. It's only another sheep. Live faithful. Revelation 2.10. All right? So if I say here, you say? Believe. Repent. Confess. No, yeah. Be baptized. Live faithful. Revelation 2.10. Good. All right. God set judges over Israel. One brave woman, 14 men. And they helped Israel fight their battles. Led them back to God from sin. Othniel, Ehud, Shemgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jer. Jephthah, Isbad, Elon, Abdon, Samson, Eli, Samuel. One more time. God set judges over Israel, one brave woman, fourteen men. They helped Israel fight their battles, led them back to God from sin. Othniel, Ehud, Shemgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jer, Jephthah, Isban, Elon, Abdon, Samson, Eli, Samuel. Good. If I say here, what do you say? I just making sure you still remember. That's good. All right.
Y'all know the song about creation? What was created on each day? Y'all learned that yet? Let's try that. Day one, day one. You know what? Day one, day one. God made life when there was none. Day two, day two. God made clouds and skies so blue. Day three, day three, God made grass and flowers and trees. Day four, day four, sun and moon and stars galore. Day five, day five. Day five, day five, God made fish and fowl alive. Six, day six, God made animals and men that day. Day six. Day seven, day seven, rested in his heaven. That is very good. All right. The ten plagues that came on Egypt. Y'all know what the ten plagues are? There was water to blood, frogs, lice, flies, murin, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and death of the firstborn. Okay. All right, we're going to sing a song about that. Y'all may have heard a different kind of song, but this is the one I know. So I want you to sing that together. He turned water to blood, frogs and lice. Don't forget those dirty old flies. Near and kill the cattle, boils and hail. Darkness, I mean, locusts covered the ground and the darkness fell. The Pharaoh pronounced the death of the firstborn. Y'all sing that with me. He turned water to blood, frogs and lice. Don't forget those dirty old flies. Miriam killed the cattle, boils and hail. Locusts covered the ground till the darkness failed. Pharaoh pronounced the death of the firstborn. Good. All right. What are the seven fruits of the Spirit? There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Good. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within my soul. Love, joy, peace, and faithfulness. Patience, kindness, and goodness. Gentleness, and self-control. These are good fruits in our soul. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within my soul. Excellent. Who were the apostles of Jesus? I know y'all know this song, but we're going to sing it anyway, okay? Jesus called them one by one. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Next King Philip, Thomas too. Matthew and Bartholomew. James the one. Simon also Thaddeus. Twelve apostles Judas made. Jesus was by and betrayed. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. And they all followed him. All right. I want to spend some time on our closing tonight. Y'all remember what we did last week? By the way, did everybody, who did not get one of these last week? Anybody didn't get one last week? Now keep in mind, these things that we're singing about and talking about, you can get a trophy when you learn. It's not going to be a big trophy. 
and it's something that you'll want to work for. I meant to have a copy to show you what it looks like, what they're going to look like. Here, give her one back there behind you. All right. First of all, what is true success in life? Living your life and going to heaven when this life is over. All right, let's say it together. What's true success in life? Living your life and going to heaven when this life is over. What's true failure in life? Living your life and going to hell when this life is over. We're not happy about that, okay? All right. What's God's ideal for marriage? One man or one woman for life. All right. Now, why? Who made you? God. Okay. Why were you made? To glorify God. That's why you were made. Why were you made? Okay, and because God made you, what does that mean? I am special. Okay? I am special. Now, it looks like they're going to have to go to school tomorrow, right? Okay. Are you out of school tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're out of school tomorrow. That's right. But, excuse me, but even tomorrow when you get up at your own house, what are you going to do all day long? I will do my best. I will never give up. And let God take care of the rest. And I'll always remember that right is always right. And wrong is always wrong. It's never right to do wrong. It's never wrong to do right. And that's right because the Bible is right. Do you have anything? Good, that's great. You'll get, you get a good trophy then. Alright, let's close out with a one, two, three song, alright? One, two, three. One and two. Three and four. He loves you more. More than you have been loved before. Five, six, seven. Eight and nine. Love is divine. Now we've sung right up to ten. We don't have time to sing it again, but we will. One, two, three. One and two, Jesus loves you. Three and four, he loves you more, more than you ever loved before. Five, six, seven, eight and nine, love is divine. Now we've sung right up to ten, we don't have time to sing it again. that were mentioned this morning, but let's do take note of those that have lost loved ones. Let's remember uh, those who are sick. And of course, let's do everything we can to encourage anybody that we possibly can. So uh, let's be sure and uh, pray for these people and encourage them. This particular card says, Dear church family, thank you so much for your kind prayers and your words of encouragement uh, during my father's passing. I appreciate every postcard, message, or words that I received during this difficult time. Thank you for your prayers for my safe return home. In Christian love, Marsha Meeks. 
And so we're going to go to God in prayer, and following that prayer, we'll be uh, dismissed to our classes. tonight, but he has some sickness in his family, so I'm going to continue on. We are studying Joshua the man and the book. <clears throat> We're in the, the second part of dividing the inheritance. Brother Rick Warner, who normally does most of the reading for us, is out with COVID. Uh, Brother Cameron Jumper has agreed to read for us tonight. I appreciate that. We're going to start in Joshua, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 4. One of my goals when we went through this was that we'd be able to read all of the book of Joshua in class. But due to time constraints, I do not think we're going to be able to do that. So 
Tonight, as we uh, go through four chapters of Joshua, when we get to things that are pretty much surveys of what the boundaries are and what the cities are, I have highlighted those areas, and Cameron's going to skip that. I would encourage you, if you're interested in understanding all of Joshua, to go back and, and read the parts of chapter 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, that we don't get to uh, in class tonight. Brother Jumper? And the lot of the children of Joseph <clears throat> fell from Jordan by Jericho unto the water of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that go up from Jericho throughout Mount Bethel and goeth out from Bethel to Luz and passeth along into the borders of Archi to Adaroth and goeth down westward to the coast of Jephthalah, unto the coast of Beth Horon, and nether to Gezer, and the goings out thereof are at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim took their inheritance. You know, uh, <clears throat> Joseph got a special kind of allotment. He uh, he's the one of the twelve children, or the twelve boys of Jacob that did not have a tribe named after him. He received a double portion because he was the oldest son of the favorite wife, Rachel. Uh, his portion uh, was given to his sons Ephraim and Manasseh, and they received the largest portions. We'll see that when we start looking at the map. We're going to look at the land that was given to the children of Ephraim, uh, Joshua 16, verses 5 through 10. The border of the children of Ephraim, according to their families, was thus. At the sea, this was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, according to their families. All right, so you can see what we're doing. We're skipping over some of the survey stuff. You can see here the uh, where Ephraim is. It's right in the center of the promised land. That's a little bit of a blow up there. You can, you can see that uh, Jerusalem in the tribe of Benjamin there, and Ephraim is just a little bit north of Jerusalem. Uh, verse 9 indicates that some of the cities in this territory that were given to, the, that were given to Ephraim were actually going to be part of Manasseh. If you look at Joshua 17, 8, and 9, the first part of verse 9, Manasseh had the land of Tupah, and Tupah on the border of Manasseh belonged to the children of Ephraim. And the border descended to the brook Cana, southward to the brook. These cities of Ephraim are among the cities. to drive these people out to kill them, and they did not drive them out. But you can see here, they, they extracted uh, payment from them. They created their own I guess, way to justify their what they had done. Now, there are some special considerations for some women that are, we find in Joshua 17, verses 1 through 6. There was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph, namely for Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war. Therefore, he was given Gilead and Bashan. 
And there was a lot for the rest of the children of Manasseh, according to their families. For the children of Abizar, and the children of Helech, and the children of Asriel, and the children of Shechem, the children of Hefer, the children of Shemedah, these were the male children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, according to their families. But Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Mashir, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters, Mela, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah. And they came near before Eleazar, the priest, before Joshua, the son of Nun, and before the rulers, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers. Ten shares fell to Manasseh, besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which were on the other side of the Jordan, because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance among his sons, and the rest of Manasseh's sons had the land of Gilead. The uh, allotment for Manasseh, as we've just read about, uh, included this allotment that went to these ladies. It said they had ten shares there. If you go back and you look in detail, the boys got five and, and the girls got five. We read about this in Numbers uh, 26, 33 and uh, Numbers 27, 1 through 11. And Moses went to the Lord with this uh, request that, that these daughters had made. And so what they did was not just Moses' assignment. This was what God said was the right thing to do. Let's look at uh, number six, 36, 10 through 12. Just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad. For Mela, Tirzah, Hagla, Milcla, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, were married to the sons of their father's brothers. They were married into the family of the children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's family. Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, and the son of Mashir, the son of Manasseh from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and these were the names of his daughters. Mela, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah. And they stood before Moses, before Eleazar the priest, and before the leaders and all the congregation, by the doorway of the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord, in the company with Korah, but he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family, because he had no son? Give us a possession among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers, and cause the inheritance of their fathers to pass to them. And you shall speak the children of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. If he has no daughter... Then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the relatives closest to him and his family. And he shall possess it. And it shall come to the children of Israel, statute of judgment, just as the Lord commanded Moses. 
Some of you may know of people who have died without a will. And in the state of Mississippi, as a matter of fact, in almost every state, there is a sequence of who gets the inheritance. It sounds very similar to what what God has specified here uh, when these daughters came saying we need to have an inheritance. There's some more inheritance that's going to be specified for the tribe of Manasseh in verses 7 through 11. We're going to read just a little of that. And the territory of Manasseh was from... And and then it's got quite a bit of... Its towns and three hilly regions. All right. And in verses 12 and 13, we're going to see that there is a trend that continues to develop. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land, and it happened. When the children of Israel grew strong, that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. The Bible says that Manasseh could not drive out the Canaanites. Ultimately, they did put them to tribute, or they had them pay taxes to them. Do you think this was appropriate? No. Why do you say no, Janita? It's not what God said. Let's look at Joshua, a passage from Joshua, the first chapter, and then also from Deuteronomy. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. All right, God has given them a commitment that he's going to be with them. So when he told them to drive the people out of the land, he had given them his promise that he was going to help them do it, if they'd just take the initiative. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire. For you are holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Now isn't that interesting? He said earlier that these nations that they were going to wipe out or had wiped out were greater than them. And not only that, you are the least of all people. Think about what our theme is this year, the power of one. And think about the supporting verse there that where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, We have uh, a lot of things going against us, but with God on our side, we can defeat defeat anything that comes against us. 
I was just reading this afternoon about a new law in Canada that makes it illegal to preach against immorality. They call the Bible's view of morality a myth. And the sentence is up to five years in prison for doing it. Now that's just north of us. And and there are some states that have laws that are similar to this. I didn't know that, but in the article it listed about five different states in the United States where this stuff is sort of creeping in on us. We've got to have the courage to stand up and fight against what the devil throws at us, just like they did in Joshua's time, and just like Paul did in the first century. When the Bible says they could not drive out the Canaanites, what does it mean? Were they incapable of driving out the Canaanites? The Bible says they could not drive them out. They, they were relying on themselves, weren't they, Brother Mormon? They, Brother Mormon said they didn't put their trust in God. You know, if you don't partner with God, there's a lot of things that you just can't do, include, including going to heaven. Now, in verses 14 through 18, I've entitled this section, Give Me More, But Please Don't Ask Me to Work For It, or a subtitle, Joshua has had enough. All right, Brother Jumper, let's hear about that. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? So Joshua answered them, If you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the Giants since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. Both those who are of Beth Shean and its towns, those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joseph spoke to the house of Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people, and you have great power. You shall not have only one lot. But the mountain country shall be yours, Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. These people, uh, just to review, these people of Joseph complained. They need more land, and Joshua uh, gave them a forest to clear for land, but they got to work for it. They complain again, it's not enough land. Not only that, the Canaanites up there have got iron chariots. In other words, they're too strong for us to go up against them. But Joshua stood firm and he told them, you can drive them out. And uh, if we read Judges 1, 27 to 29, we'd find the real problem that these people were lazy and they lack faith. Just think about what Joseph must have thought about them. We're going to skip over Judges 20, 
And look here at the land that they were given. That uh, you can see they'd already have the half tribe of Manasseh on the east side of Jordan, and now they've got this land on the west side of Jordan. You can see how huge the landmass is compared to the other tribes except for Judah. And they relocate their base camp in Joshua 18, verses 1 and 2. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. But there remained among them children of Israel, seven tribes, which had not received their inheritance. They, their base camp was at Gilgal, and they moved it to Shiloh. Shiloh is about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. It's, it's uh, in the tribe area for Ephraim. And if you just look at the distance, that, that looks to me like Gilgal. It must be about 30 miles from Shiloh. But Shiloh is sort of in the, in the center of the place. They had had the tabernacle at Gilgal for seven years, and now it's going to stay at Shiloh for a very long time. And, but when they moved this tabernacle, they still had work to do. Seven tribes still had not received their inheritance. And we're going to start reading about the inheritance that they gave in all the dialogue except for one tribe. All it is is just talking about the cities that were there and the boundaries. And so I'll, I'll try to show you the highlight of which tribe it is and then on a map where they were given. But they, before we get to that, they did have a plan for dividing the remainder of this land. I find this interesting. Let's take a look at that. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Pick out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them. They shall rise and go through the land, survey it according to their inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide into seven parts. Judah shall remain in the territory on the south and the house of Joseph shall remain in the territory on the north. You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Then the men arose <clears throat> to go away, and Joshua charged those who went to survey the land, saying, Go walk through the land, survey it, and come back to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went, passed through the land, and wrote the survey in a book on seven parts by cities, and they came to Joshua at the camp of Shiloh. Then Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua divided the land to the children of Israel according to their divisions. Just in review, Joshua sends out men, you know, three from each tribe, and they go out and they survey this area, and they divide it into seven parts. And these men did as they were instructed, and they, they brought back the survey, and they turned things over to Joshua, and Joshua then cast lots. Now the question I've got is, is 
as we think about the wisdom of Joshua, why was having the land divided into seven parts before the casting of lots a smart move? Brother J.T. Beard was talking about Art Linkletter's comments about when he had a bunch of kids at the house and he had a person cut the cake. The person that cut the cake would get to eat the last piece of the cake. And so it was usually pretty equal in the way it was divided. I had heard a similar illustration about two children dividing a candy bar. If you got two kids and they got a candy bar to divide, you have one of them divide the bar and the other one get the first piece. And usually it'll be right down the middle. Well, by him letting them divide up this land into seven parts, there wasn't a lot of... Well, you've seen this uh, AT&T commercial where they give the sucker, they give the little sucker to the girl and then give the big sucker to the boy. And she said, that's not fair. Well... They didn't have any of that that's not fair stuff because of the wisdom of Joshua and how he went about doing this. The rest of chapters 18 and 19 are going to give a description of the land allotted to each tribe. This casting of lots was a way to make decisions in Bible times. Sort of like throwing dice or drawing straws. There are several places in the Bible that we can find where this was done. It was often done in connection with the division of land. First, we're going to look at the inheritance for the tribe of Benjamin, found in Joshua 18, 11 through 28. Now the lot of the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up according to their families, and the territory of their lot came out between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. Starting in verse 12, it starts giving a description of that, and that description continues all the way through verse 18, 19, 20, down through 27, 28. What they're describing there is what's in that box. This is uh, the tribe of Benjamin. It's a little area. It's smaller than Prentice County. Um, but it must be important because it's got Jerusalem and Jericho both in that small territory. Then they talk about the inheritance for the tribe of Simeon. Now this, is, this one I find sort of interesting. It, it is, uh, we're going to read more about it starting in verse 1 of chapter 19. The second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of the children of Simeon according to their families. And their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. Well, there are some descriptions there, but then go ahead. The inheritance of the children of Simeon was included in the share of the children of Judah. For the share of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of that people. It's important to note that that the inheritance for Simeon was within the territory of Judah. 
This is all linked to the blessing or curse on Simeon and Levi that's recorded in Genesis 49 verses uh, 5 through 7. If you'll remember, Simeon and Levi had to face the consequences of the murder of the Shechemites. If you'll remember when their sister Dinah was raped, Jacob thought he had made a deal with the Shechemites that if they would become circumcised, that they'd let this intermarriage uh, occur. But Simeon and Levi didn't like that. And on the third day after the circumcision, they went in and wiped out the men of that area. And here when Jacob came to pass his blessings, both Levi and Simeon faced some consequences. And we're reading about what those consequences were to Simeon here. And once again, this shows, you know, Jacob thought when he had given his word that his word would not be violated, but his sons did not support him. And now they're facing the consequences. Look at Genesis 49, verses 5 through 7. We'll read about that. Okay, Brother Jumper. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their counsel, neither... Let my honor be united with their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in a Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. So here they are, scattered in Judah. When we get to the tribe of Levi, next week's lesson is going to be on the 48 cities that the tribe of Levi dwelt in, and it's scattered throughout all of Israel. Now to the inheritance of the tribe of uh, Zebulun. The third lot came out for the children of Zebulun according to their families. So, if you look for Zebulun, you can find a little spot there. I think it might be about the same size as Benjamin. So, once again, we're talking about an area smaller than Prentice County. Uh, But, once again, it it must have had some positive things to it because these surveyors divided up those seven spots and, and so there wasn't a lot of fussing when they got that. Now then to the tribe of Issachar, verses 17 through 23. The fourth lot came out to Issachar for the children of Issachar according to their families. And Issachar is right there, right next to where Zebulun is. It's a little bit, looks like a little bigger than Zebulun. I don't know if it's as big as Tishomingo County or not, but... It's not a great big area. And then to the tribe of Asher. The fifth lot came out for the tribe of the children of Asher, according to their families. 
All right, you can see Asher up here to the north. It's the furthest north of any tribe, and it's a pretty good area. And then Naphtali. The sixth lot came out to the children of Naphtali, for the children of Naphtali according to their families. And Naphtali is right there to the east of, of Asher. And then to the tribe of Dan. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. And the border of the children of Dan went beyond these, because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it. And they struck it with the edge of the sword, took possession of it, and dwelt in it. They called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families, these cities with their villages. This is sort of like a breath of fresh air. We've been hearing all of these people that couldn't drive people out and couldn't drive people out, and now Dan's got more territory because they're out there driving people out. When you look for Dan, you'll find them right next door to Ephraim. And then Joshua was given an inheritance of his own. When they had made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for, Timnath Sarah, in the mountains of Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt in it. These were the inheritances which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel, divided as an inheritance by the lot in Shiloh, before the Lord, at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, so they are made an end of dividing of the country. You know, earlier we had a verse and said they made an end to the war, and now they've made an end to dividing the land. You know, early, last week, I believe it was, that we had uh, Joshua called old by God himself. And here Joshua's been given an inheritance, and even in his old age he builds a city. Joshua was a hard-working man. Uh, just amazing, the things that he did. Um, in other words, the work of dividing the promised land is now done. In chapter 20, we're going to read about uh, cities of refuge being established in Joshua, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through Nine. The Lord also spake to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not hate him beforehand. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation of judgment and until the death of one, until the death of one of who is the high priest in those days 
Then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. So they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem, and the mountains of Ephraim, in Kirhoth, in Abra, which is Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan, by the Jericho eastward, they assigned Bazar, the wilderness, into the plain, from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth, and Gilead, from the tribe of Gad, and Golan, and Bashan, from the tribe of, of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel, for the stranger who dwelt among them, that whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there, and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood, until he stood before the congregation. It was the Lord himself that told Joshua to set up these cities of refuge. You know, when you think about Old Testament law, you think about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But sometimes an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is not appropriate. And and this seems to be uh, a solution to keep them from becoming legalistic in in applying this concept of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I know we were talking with Leanne over lunch, and she was talking about teaching the Ten Commandments to the first grade. And, and she was trying to get them to understand thou shalt not kill really means thou shalt not murder. And, and I think the, one of the examples she used, what if y'all were driving in a car and somebody ran out in the road in front of you and your car hit them and it killed them? That would not be murder. That would be an accident. And here with these cities of refuge, what they have is, is a way to, to keep from killing people who have killed others accidentally. They could uh, state the case to the elders of the city and, and they can admit to him and give him safety until a, a trial could be held. Now, it wasn't just automatically a place where a murderer could go and hide. That murderer was going to have to build their case for being given refuge in the city. Right now, we have several cities that are declare themselves to be sanctuary cities for people who have come into this country illegally. They don't really have to prove anything. Just go to there and it's a safe haven. Well, there was a little more detail to this. It was a lot harder to get into that city, but once you did, the people of that city would protect you from the relatives of the person that was killed. There were six cities of refuge, and these were scattered throughout the country. Why do you think these cities of refuge were scattered throughout the country? <laughs> so they could get to them. You know, maybe an upset relative could run pretty fast. <laughs> you needed to have a place that you could escape to as quickly as possible. Uh, I was just looking at, I tried to build a map so you could could see on the map how these cities of refuge were scattered out. There were seven, six rather, cities of refuge here. There are 12 different tribes, so there's not a city of refuge in every tribe, but 
but they're at least they're accessible if you need one. Just some observations uh, that I'd made here. The new nation must have a government and laws, and these cities of refuge were God's answer to justice at that time. And just like we say in this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth is not a principle that always should be applied. This rule of a fair trial for unintentional harm was for the purpose of saving innocent life. I was just thinking about what is, what is this a symbol of? Justice. And think about the balance there. Uh, maybe a balance between mercy and justice. Uh, uh, a, a balance that would uh, maybe cause somebody not to be punished when uh, if, if the law was too strict, they might be punished. Now we know in some, some parts of the United States now that has gone totally out of kilter and people, they're not even charging people for crimes. They, they stopped calling things like breaking into a house a crime and stuff like that. That was not what God was doing there. God was trying to be fair. And we ought to use God as an example for our own behavior and our own judgment. And we ought to be fair. We ought to be fair with our children. If we end up being on a jury, uh, uh, we ought to try to give a sentence or give our vote on the way that jury goes so that it reflects God's fairness. The Lord's Supper is available in the little chapel for those who were unable to partake this morning. Would you bow with me as we go to God in prayer? Our loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your blessings. We're thankful for the safety you've given us. We pray your special blessings to be with those who are experiencing illness. Um, we know that many are suffering from viruses, strep throat, flu, COVID, and we ask your special care to be with them. We ask you to be with those who are undergoing cancer treatment, those who are undergoing heart tests and heart treatment. Uh, Father, we just see sickness all around us, and we're so thankful that at some point in the future, there will be a place where there will be no pain and no tears. We know that we have family members who are mourning over new-made graves, and we pray that you would be, especially with the Glenn family. We love you, Father. We pray that we would learn from our study of Joshua how to respect your word and to obey it completely. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.